Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands on my underwear. This is the Where's the yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 16. I am so excited to be talking to you guys again um, because, like I've mentioned, I've alluded to, I think, a couple of times, I've had just probably the most insane last couple of weeks last four I don't know that's like a month now of my life um and I can't even talk about all of it yet but I'm finally able to talk about some of the stuff that's been going on um so I I first of all uh a couple of weeks ago I was invited to guest on an episode of the smush room with Troy McKeady um I talk about that podcast all the time it's a huge inspiration for this it's like a lot of my research sometimes just comes from listening from uh, episodes of that So it was really exciting to be able to go on, and um, I think we had, it was an amazing episode in my personal opinion. We talked about Mama June and Sugar Bear and their relationship, and just all about Here Comes Honey Boo Boo and Toddlers and Tiaras and the new Mama June show that's airing and the redneck culture of the time and all of that stuff. It's, I don't know, I thought it was really good. Um, But it was super exciting to talk to Troy and just like, you know, have a conversation with him and talk about reality TV and pop culture. It was great. So go listen to that, um, and I'm going to have Troy on eventually as a guest. Uh, and Troy, if you're listening, please start thinking of what you want to do and DM me. Let me know. So that was really exciting. That was super fun. That happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> what also happened a couple of weeks ago that's not as exciting. Um, so this is what's been going on in my life, and this is super crazy. But trigger warning, I'm not going to get into like the graphic details, but basically what happened was a couple of weeks ago a man was like skulking about outside of my apartment complex and I was actually I was actually doing research for the amazing race I was like well I wasn't even doing research I was just like watching it on my laptop um on my balcony because I like to hang out on my porch it's really nice and my cats were out there just enjoying the night it was probably about like 10 o'clock at night um and I had like my headphones on and I was watching the amazing race and I like wasn't paying attention to anything that was happening and basically this man was creeping around um I'm on the second story and he was like down on the ground so like I was you know we were I was above him but (laughs) he was still like creeping around and he basically exposed himself to me like he was you know masturbating (laughs) it's so weird to talk about um but I want to talk about it sorry I did say trigger warning um (laughs) it's just like I don't know it happened and I just want to like talk about it because it's like I don't just the catalyst for so much happening in my life so that happened and I had to call the police and make a police report and all this shit and I was fighting with my apartment complex to try and get them to like send out an email and the police kept contacting me and I kept contacting them and I heard different things from different people about who was following up with whom and who had been doing something and who had been trying to do something if the police had been working on it or if the apartment complex had been trying to get the police to work on it this guy apparently has been doing this for like weeks it's a fucking mess so anyway all that happened, I was livid just at the situation in general, and we've been wanting to move out of this apartment for a while. We've been here, we're in our fourth year of living here, 
and it's just time to move on. Um, we're not really particularly close to either one of our jobs. And when I moved here, um, my best friend was like literally living in the unit like across the parking lot from me. And she moved away like three years ago. So there's just really not a lot for us in this particular area and in this particular apartment in general. And we haven't been happy with the property management in a while. So we're moving. Um, we were touring all kinds of different apartments over the last two weeks and applying for stuff and then getting rejected for different reasons. And I was like, free, well, only one time. We only applied for something and got rejected once. And it was because they had a pretty strict policy on late payments. And we had two in the last two years and one wasn't even our fault. It was like a glitch in the system. And I tried to dispute it, but there was no way to prove that it was a glitch in the system and not our fault so it's a mess we didn't we didn't get that one but I applied for we applied for an apartment on Sunday today's Monday I'm once again recording this like right up to the last minute but this is why this is why because all of this has been going on in my life um so we applied for that on Sunday and now I'm just waiting to hear back and like get everything confirmed but the pretty insane part is that they were having a special at the place that we applied for um you know yesterday that if you move in before the 15th, which is this coming Wednesday, <laughs> as in two days from now, um, they waived like all of the application fees and the registration fees and the pet fees. It was going to be a, like $750 worth of fees that they were waiving. And basically that was more than the prorated rent for the rest of the month. And then if we were moved in by the end of May, we wouldn't have to pay rent here at our current apartment for June at all so it was just like the financially smartest decision to to do take advantage of that so that's why we applied and we applied to move in in like two days obviously we don't have to like get there like be completely moved in in two days but um over the next couple of weeks things are going to be really nuts as we pack and move and get rid of a lot of stuff I'm really determined because we this is the place that we're going to be living for however long, however long it takes until we have enough money to save up to actually buy property. So I'm like determined this is like our grown-up apartment that's going to be super nice. I'm paying the extra $75 to get the feature wall painted because it's going to be worth it in the long term. And I'm going to do home improvement projects because they um, we have we're going to have a back porch, which is going to be really nice. It faces into the woods. Um, and so... And they allow us to screen in the porches. So I'm going to screen in our porch so that we just are going to have a nice screened in porch. And it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to walk out into the porch and breathe in the fresh air. And in the fall, I'll see the leaves change. All right, I'm just, I'm waxing poetic. I'm very excited for this new apartment and the new property management because it's our old property management that we had when we first moved here before they sold our complex. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, obviously. I've gone off on like the longest rant about it. But we're moving. It's going to be really exciting. I'm very happy about it. But again, things are still going to be super in flux over the next few weeks. Um, so I don't know how consistent this podcast will be. I, again, have not been like a recording ahead like I've been trying to do. I'm, I swear to God, I swear on my life I'm going to record something this week so that I can get something else done this weekend so that hopefully I'll have like one buffer episode if things go belly up and we're moving and I'm not able to record something. But if that doesn't happen and, you know, life gets in the way, um, just, you know, forgive me. I'm sorry if I end up missing a week and hopefully I'll have a super amazing episode the following week to make up for it. 
All right, so, oh, one other thing, God. I have so much to talk about before we even get into this. Life is insane. Okay, so this is the other thing that happened that wasn't super great, but I guess I'm an official podcaster. Um, I got my first negative review. Thank you so much to KY Male Therapist. Really value that opinion. Sorry, I don't give me a bad review for snarking about my bad review. It's just, he, you know, it was something that could have easily had been a conversational piece if he wanted to come on over to my dm or shoot me an email we could have had a fun conversation but instead he chose to be unhappy with something that we said and put it in a review um i also got a three star review or three star rating uh no review to go along with that to which i say why why there's no need to let the world know that you feel completely like average towards a podcast so just refrain um so okay please again please don't give me a bad review for talking about my bad reviews because they made me a little bit sad but you know I'm trying to work through this it's all an exercise and growth and evolution as a person but if you want to give me some nice reviews to get my rating back up I would really appreciate that if you haven't done it yet and you're a listener and you like what I put out each week um that's the best way that you can support me because I don't have a patreon or anything else I don't ask for your money please just take a couple seconds to go and click five stars Thank you. All right, so let's get into reality TV since I've been blathering about my life for like 10 minutes already. Sorry that this is basically therapy right now. And I, ha- I go to therapy, so there's no reason that I should be doing this. But I just, because, you know, I just want to talk about it. But this week, in the world of reality TV, um, I'm excited. We're talking about The Bachelor. So I am like a newborn baby to the world of The Bachelor. I mean, I know the overarching premise of it's a competition reality dating show thing. And I knew that like there was a guy in The Bachelor, of course. You know, I knew that The Bachelorette also existed. Um, there was a man and he, there was a lot of women and they were all together and he eliminated them one by one until they... He's ending up with the person he picks. Which, you know, when you just, like, explain it like that, it sounds horrible and just, like, anti-feminist and just, like, the worst thing ever. Which I guess it kind of is. Um, It's just, like, when you examine our culture through, like, a microscope, it's so strange. That's why those Nathan Pyle Strange Planet comics are so popular. Anyway. Um... So I wanted to do The Bachelor because not only is it just an early reality show that's a classic, it's very foundational for reality shows to come. Like, so many competition dating shows were based on The Bachelor, or at least based on the overall format of The Bachelor. Like, I'm thinking about Flavor of Love, I'm thinking about Rock of Love, I'm thinking about... I didn't watch too much of A Shot of Love with Tila Tequila, but it's all the same, basically. They have, you know, the group of people together and they have the elimination ceremony and they have something that they give to them to indicate that they want to stay with them like in flavor of love it was clocks i think flavor of love was like the most obvious parody of the bachelor i'm sure there are other ones that i'm like think that are out there but it just seemed like it was a very important one to go back and watch before we get into all of that um and you know i've been gearing up to do flavor of love like i'm so excited that needs to be like a special episode or something but um Yeah, The Bachelor is just, like, the foundation for that. So I figured, let's go ahead and do it. Um, And, oh, the other thing is I literally just heard about the book Bachelor Nation. Um, I heard it on Feathers in My Hair this week with Liz Liz Bentley's podcast. Um, She also mentioned my episode with Troy, but she called me Renee. That's fine. People have called me worse. Um, But anyway, so she mentioned just then 
you know, it was so like serendipitous. Um, the batch, there's a book called Bachelor Nation, and it's like all of the behind the scenes information on The Bachelor and like all of the backstage gossip and all of this stuff. So I rented it um, on, I have it on my phone and the like the ebook, but I haven't read it yet. So I'm going to read it now, and unfortunately all of that information won't be in this episode, but if there's anything like super interesting that I don't touch on, uh, I'll bring it up next week or whenever you hear me next, depending on what my the state of my life is and my apartment. All right, so let's just jump right into it. The Bachelor premiered originally on ABC in March of 2002. Um, something I found interesting was just that the producer later went on to produce the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Hostel like series. Um, but he also produced, I think this came before The Bachelor, actually. Uh, it was a dating reality game show type thing called Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire? Um, I think his name is Mike Fleiss. And so as I mentioned, the premise, I think I already described that. It's just like the person, a single eligible man who dates a bunch of women until he picks the one that he wants to supposedly marry. Um, the concept, I guess, of The Bachelor is that he proposes at the end, uh, but that doesn't necessarily always happen in every single season. Um, and it spawned many spinoffs, so The Bachelorette, like I mentioned earlier, is probably the most famous, um, and so I think it's always a contestant from The Bachelor who was eliminated, and then I don't know if it's always a Bachelor was someone from The Bachelorette, but I think most of the time, I, I don't know, sorry, I could have done some more research on this, and I apologize. Don't give me a bad review because of it, just send me an email, yell at me in the email, or write it on a piece of paper and burn it. Do whatever you want. Just don't write me a bad review. Um, so actually, the first season of The Bachelorette, which I thought was pretty interesting, was um, the runner-up of this season of The Bachelor. So I'm just going to go ahead and spoil everything right now. So, you know, if you waited until 2019 to watch this show that originally aired in 2002, turn off this episode here and then come back later. Um, so Trista is uh, the runner-up in this season of The Bachelor, and she goes on to be the first ever Bachelorette. And the person that she picks proposes to her, and they got married, and they had a huge televised ABC wedding. And they've been married, like, ever since. And, you know, we'll touch on that a lot more at the end um, when I do the Where Are They Now, but it's just kind of funny that she was, like, the biggest success story to ever come out of The Bachelor series. Um, in addition to The Bachelorette, they also had Bachelor Pad, which was like a game show special with like men and women comp like competing. Um, they had The Bachelor in Paradise and then a bunch of international versions. Too many to list, but just, you know, basically every single country that could produce a Bachelor spinoff did. Um, of course, there were like accusations of the show being faked and things being edited, of course. I mean, it's reality TV, and I think in 2019 we all realized that like people the editors put storylines together based on like clips and what they can manipulate. Um, but some contestants did say that the producers really like bullied them into saying certain things and like yelling at them and just like not letting them leave until they got what they wanted from them. So that's, you know, not great. Um, and even Mike Fleiss himself admitted that The Bachelor had less to do with reality than it did with making good television. But I mean, that's, that's reality TV and that's the nature of reality TV is entertainment. Um, and, and then, obviously, the show's been parodied a lot. Uh, like I mentioned, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, Shot of Love, Tila Tequila, Real Chance of Love, all of that shit. Um, Joe Millionaire was another one that I also wanted to do, but I figured I should do The Bachelor first, where they pretended that the Bachelor, that man, Joe, 
Joe, you know, we're on a first name basis. Um, Joe was a millionaire, but it was revealed at the end that he was just an average guy. Um, and there were like more direct parodies on things, sketch shows and stuff like that. And of course, RuPaul's Drag Race recently, it was like All Stars 3, I think, did The Bitchler. One of their episodes was a parody called The Bitchler. So that's fun. Um, so some fun facts that I found about The Bachelor. Maybe this is what the Bachelor Nation, Nation book touches on. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. This is not, in season one, is not the Bachelor mansion as we know it or as people who watch the Bachelor know it. Um, but that, the one that they use in most of the rest of the seasons moving forward, um, a family actually lives there and then they just leave whenever the Bachelor comes to film and they stay in a hotel. And the family apparently has young kids as well, which is kind of weird. Uh, just like considering, you know, what goes on in their house when the kids aren't there. Um, the contestants have to bring all of their own clothes, so the women sometimes go into debt buying formal dresses when they're competing on The Bachelor. Um, but of course, as it's gotten more famous over the years and gained notoriety, a lot of people just go on The Bachelor trying to seek some kind of reality TV or other flash in the pan sort of fame. Um, either be it, you know, being The Bachelor, or not being The Bachelor, like getting picked by The Bachelor. Being The Bachelor, you win. You're The Bachelor. Um, or, you know, losing and being The Bachelorette, or just in general becoming famous and getting, like, endorsements on Instagram and shit like that. Um, so it's more of, like, a investment now, I guess, to try and, you know, if you want to, like, look hot so that fab fit fun or whatever will hire you to do their instagram ads you can you have to like spend all the money to get the dresses and shit something i found kind of interesting so the newly engaged or like the dating couple the people who wind up at the end of the season um they're flown to uh, a different like location for a happy couple reunion every couple of weeks while the show is still airing before they can like be seen out and about together um so they just get to like hang out with each other and like have a weekend and they just do normal things um which kind of sucks if i guess you're not able to see your boyfriend that you're actually trying to date because you just met him on a reality show and only got to see him for like six weeks but um it's nice that they at least do let them like they foot the bill for them hanging out until they can reveal it to the world um and then by the end of the show's run I don't know if this is I again I'm sorry for not doing better research um if this was this season, which was very short, uh, this season in particular, the first season, only had six episodes. It was filmed over a course of about seven weeks, so the contestants hardly got to know one another before they were, you know, allegedly in love. Um, but in later seasons, they have a little bit more time. Um, usually it's filmed over ten weeks, and then the episodes are like ten that are each two hours instead of six one-hour episodes. But it said that the couple really only spends about 70, 72 hours together by the time they like wind up engaged or uh, seriously dating or whatever by the end of the run. So that's kind of interesting like how little time people are actually like, spending with one another when they go on these shows and commit to dating at least. So again, I decided to recap season one. I think, I don't know if I said that earlier. I know I alluded to that, <laughs> but I decided to recap season one um, since it's just like the introduction to the format. Uh, maybe it wasn't the best example since this is kind of unusual compared to later seasons. Like I mentioned, the uh, less amount of episodes, the shorter episodes, some other things that happen are different compared to later seasons. And I'll try to point those out as we go along, but 
I don't know. I just wanted to like start with it. It was also available for free, so that's always a plus. Um, and there were only six episodes, so it, it was easy to watch. It was like a quick watch. It didn't feel quick because it's kind of dry, but it was a quick watch, which is what I needed this week when things kind of like, I don't know, shit hit the fan. So, like it, it only has six episodes. There weren't a lot to choose from. And they were all pretty boring. Most of the early ones were really boring because it's just him going around talking to all of these women for like a little bit and having the same types of conversations. And then he eliminates 10 of them at the end of the episode. Um, so I chose episode five, which is the episode where it's the final three and he gets an exotic date uh, with each of them. Um, this is also the episode where they get the keys to the fantasy suite, which is like a big thing in The Bachelor, <laughs> apparently. Um, so we'll go right into it. So it doesn't have an episode title, so it's just season one, episode five. Um, we get our previously on, and it's, our previously on tells us, like, the entire story of The Bachelor, which was only four episodes up until this point, but, uh, he was introduced to 25 women from across the country. Um, he narrowed it down first to 15, and then eight, and then four, and then, uh, when there were the four girls, which was only at week four, so they'd only known each other for four weeks, um, he went to each of their hometowns and met all of their families, also, this I considered recapping that episode simply because there was a scene, which I will bring up now because I want to talk about it, where he was meeting one of the girl's families and she had a little nephew and, I don't know, the nephew was probably like three or four maybe, and he was kind of running around and Alex, the bachelor, um, reaches down and like grabs the kid's arm and he's just like lifting the kid up. But he does it for like a long time and eventually he like basically pulls the kid's arm out of his socket. It's not graphic. It's not, you don't see like his arm go out, but like the little kid goes, ow, and like runs away and starts crying. Um, so he like makes a fool of himself in front of the family by hurting the kid when he was like trying to interact with the kid and specifically prove like he was a good kid person. But yeah, so he meets the families. Um, and but that was actually the one, ironically, or not ironically, that's probably not the definition of irony. I don't, I'm sorry if I, this is like a loopy episode, you guys. I know there are a lot of tangents. Um, that was the woman, that was the person that he chose to eliminate. So it was just like, oh yeah, I kind of fucked up your nephew's uh, like shoulder and now I'm just going to cut you loose. Bye. Um, so in this episode, they're doing the overnight dates. So the three women that he will be seeing in this episode are Amanda. Um, he'll, he'll be meeting in New York. Shannon in Lake Tahoe and Trista in Hawaii. And Trista is the one I mentioned earlier who's the runner-up. Um, so it opens with Alex alone, I guess, like in his mansion where he's staying that isn't the mansion that we know it now um, in Malibu. And he's just talking about how he can't wait to go on the dates um, and how he doesn't even know, like, which two will move on at this point, so... We see him arriving in New York, and he meets up with Amanda. Um, so she has a talking head, and she mentions that it's an overnight date, and she's excited to be getting that much alone time with him. Um, and she's interested to see how physical it gets. So the thing that's established with Amanda uh, is that she's very sexual. It's like one of the – but it's not like ever – she has such a wholesome, like, girl-next-door image, and she's from, I think, Kansas or, yeah, Kansas City or Missouri, something like that. Um, and so she just, like, looks very sweet and innocent. Um, and so she can get away with saying these things about, like, how she likes to be sexual and she likes to dress up and role play because it all comes off as, like, very cute. Um, I feel like if she had been, like, I don't know, maybe a, a brunette or just a redhead, it probably would have been taken as more of, like, 
she was like a femme fatale. So they take a tour on a double-decker bus, um, which they have rented out to themselves, so they're all alone on the top of the bus. Uh, Amanda had never been to New York before. Like I said, she's a small-town kind of gal, so she found it overwhelming. Um, And so we cut to this talking head with Alex, and he says that he's aware that he's running out of time, and there are a few things that he wants to get to the bottom of. So we're back with him on the bus, and he says that he has a question, and he wants to ask about her boobs. At this point, I didn't know if it was, like, a thing that it was known that she had big fake boobs or something like that. Um, I wouldn't have thought she had fake boobs just by looking at her. I guess her boobs are kind of big. I didn't really notice them in particular. Honestly, I was just struck because I think she is, like, so incredibly gorgeous. Like, she's so beautiful to me that I I wasn't looking at her boobs. Um, So... I don't know. I guess it was a thing that he wanted to know about. And so she says that she was like, she makes this joke, I guess, that she was obsessed with Dolly Parton as a kid, which was funny. But then she says, I guess, I guess it was a joke. I couldn't really tell. Um, She said she had a half cup difference and you couldn't really tell just looking at her. But with her clothes off, she could tell and she didn't like it. So she got a boob job. She got a breast augmentation and she went from a C to a D. So she says they're partly real and they're partly not. And so then we get cut back to Alex's talking head where he says that he likes to be he likes everything to be natural all the time, but the answer she gave could not have been better. And I was just like, Ugh, you're so fucking gross. Like, you, how do you even tell? Like, why do you care? And again, like, her boobs didn't look like big old fake plastic boobs, which are fine, too, if you want those. And it just bothered me. Um, so then they go to Central Park and they have an ice skating rink totally to themselves. So they just skate into the middle of the ice and make out because, you know, might as well. Um, they take a carriage ride. The first thing I think is like poor horse because I know that's like a thing that those horses are really abused and they should end those carriage rides in New York City. You should look it up if you don't know about that. Um, and they talk about what outfits she should dress up as, I guess, in bed. That's like the implication. Um, since it's previously been established that she a freak. (laughs) And so he asks, like, he says that he would like her to dress up in a Playboy outfit. And she's like, oh, yeah, I really want one. Um, she says that she got in trouble in fifth grade for wanting to be a Playboy bunny for Halloween. Which is kind of funny, but I'm wondering, like, how was she exposed to a Playboy bunny in fifth grade? Because her, her life and her family all seems very wholesome if she was getting in trouble over it, like... I don't think she has older brothers that were sneaking in Playboys. Maybe she did. I don't know. She also says that she wants uh, Alex to dress up in assless chaps and, like, prance around like a cowboy. And then he kind of, like, pretends to drive the horse, I guess, that they're riding in. Riding in. They're not riding in the horse. You know what I mean. Um, they go to Tavern on the Green for dinner, and it seems like it's winter because they've all been bundled up in all of these scenes, and there are a lot of lights in the trees, which I've never been to Tavern on the Green, so I don't know if the lights are always there, if it's Christmas lights. Uh, but they eat outside, which is strange to me that they would eat outside if it's winter. Um, and Amanda has a talking head where she says she's falling in love with him, which I guess was a big deal at the time because this show, like this season, was you know, it was like a new thing. Um, in a lot of ways, it was kind of treated and presented as a social exper- a social experiment. So I guess for her to say that she's falling in love with this guy who at this point she'd only known him for around six, five or six weeks, I guess, it was a big deal, I guess, for her to admit on national TV. 
Um, so at dinner, she shares some personal stuff. She shares the story of how her father died when she was pretty young, and it was pretty traumatic, and how she felt like she had to be strong for her mom, and she had to be, you know, just like the strong one for the family. Um, uh, he says in a talking head later that he felt like they were closer because she had shared that with him. Um, she also clarified, so she has a talking head where she mentions that she specifically clarified that she had had an annulment um, and not a divorce. And she said that she could see the immediate eye, the immediate relief in his eyes over dinner. Uh, when, or yeah, the immediately, I'm so sorry, I can't speak. The immediate relief when she said that over dinner, like the immediate relief in his eyes when she said that over dinner. Um, so they showed the, like, the moment of that happening, the clip of that happening, and he says, like, after she mentions her, she just, like, mentions it in passing. She's like, oh, yeah, my annulment happened. Um, and he's like, oh. He goes, oh, so you're not a divorcee. It's so off-putting to put it like that. Like, oh, you're not a divorcee. Like, that's your entire identity is your marital status. Like, it's very, like, you know, that's your number one identifier is, like, you as a person that are a divorcee. It's just, like, that's really fucking gross that he would say it like that. Um, also the fact that he was like really bothered by the fact that she had been married and divorced anyway, I think is kind of a regressive attitude. Um, and he even says like in his talking head, he's like, I thought it was nice that she's not a divorcee. As far as I'm concerned, she's never been married. So it's just like gross. You have to justify it to yourself to like make it work in your mind. It bothers me. But also, I don't even remember the discussion of her having been married. I don't know if they talked, like they talked about this or they brought this up in an earlier episode, Maybe it happened and I just wasn't paying attention because, like I mentioned, the episodes were really fucking boring, especially those early ones. Um, So at the end of the dinner, Alex pulls out the envelope that the host, Chris Harrison? I don't... In my mind said Chris Harding, and I feel like that's definitely not right. It's Chris Harrison, I'm pretty sure. Um, So Chris had given it to him before they left, um, and so she asked Alex to read it to her. And basically, this is the infamous card that says, if you choose to forego your individual rooms tonight, you can stay in the luxury fantasy suite, and here's the key. Um, so they basically, like, haul ass out of there, like, immediately. And they get in the limo. Um, we see some, you know, solid footage of them making out in the limo. They get the hotel. It's a W hotel, I noticed, which I think is a pretty fancy hotel. Um, they make out some in the hallway. We, like, see some footage. Like, they're not in their room. They're in, like, I think the hallway, like, of the lobby or something. <laughs> Just go to your room. Um, so they get to their room, and they toast with some champagne. And then and we see Amanda head into the bedroom, and we see Alex, like, close the door behind them. And, you know, I've never seen The Bachelor before, so I have no idea what to expect. And I figure at this point it's just going to, like, fade to black, and we're going to have some, like, tasteful implication that they fucked. You know, just, like, it's 2002. We were maybe a little bit more prudish back then. But no. <laughs> as soon as he closes the door on the, like, cameras, we cut to a view of, like, a hidden camera, a camcorder, um, that was, uh, in, in the room, and we see, um, we see Alex, like, and Amanda get onto the bed, and for a second I was just like, is this, is this going where I think this is going? But no, Alex gets up out of bed and he turns the camcorder away, so we don't see any, like, porn, but via a talking head we do find out that, um, he ordered room service and they got the Sex in the Sheets dessert, which has ice cream, caramel, chocolate sip, uh, chocolate syrup, and a plastic sheet. Ooh, scandalous. Uh, so they fucking chocolate, I guess. 
Um, at one point we do see, I guess, Alex's hand, I'm assuming, because I don't think it would be Amanda. I think it's like the man showing off his conquest. Again, I think it's gross. Um, we see him hold a Polaroid of Amanda, like, disheveled and covered in chocolate, but, like, smiling. She looks like she had a good time. Um, you go, girl. Like, I, I think Amanda's great, because I think she's, like, very in control of her own sexuality, and she's not ashamed of it, and I think that's awesome. Um, but, yeah, he, like, holds the Polaroid in front of the camera, and that's, like, all we see of their night in the fantasy suite. So the next day, they're just kind of cuddling and saying goodbye. Um, and Amanda's, you know, she has a talking head where she says she's not really nervous about his next few dates because she was first and he'll be reminiscing about her during the next dates. So we cut over to Lake Tahoe um, where we're going to meet up with Shannon. And Alex looks like Neo, like Neo from The Matrix because he's wearing a black turtleneck and he has these like tiny early 2000s black sunglasses on. It's very funny. Um, we see Alex and Shannon skiing and they both know how to ski super well, which is really funny because I have, I've never been skiing in my life. I've never been within spitting distance of a ski slope in my entire life. I have no desire to ski. I think it's probably terrifying, but it's just like funny that they both know how to ski. You just like, they, you can tell that they grew up kind of privileged, very privileged. Yeah. A lot of these people did. Um, so he has a talking head that he, you know, he wants to have fun, but he also wants to break Shannon out of thinking that this is just a casual date. So for some context, um, Shannon had kind of, she's been kind of closed off. Um, she had been one of the recipients of the individual dates in the previous episode. And basically he asked her about sex. Like, he wasn't explicit. He kind of just implied, like, what are, you have some rules about sex and I kind of want to know what they are. Um, but she was, like, unwilling to discuss it at all, and she uh, basically feels like, you know, they have something real, but he also has something real with the other two girls, and she can't really give herself into a relationship when she knows that they're not being exclusive. Um, so she also asks him, like, how he's holding up through this, and he does say that he's tired, stressed out, he's an emotional basket case. So it is, this is kind of what I was talking about a little bit, how this season was in a lot of ways a social experiment. Um, they don't go into this too much, but they do spend a, a little bit of time throughout the season talking about Alex's emotional state as he's going through all of this and kind of what he expected it was going to be like and what it ended up being like in, ac in actuality. You know, because I think there's always that fantasy idea that the red-blooded American straight man has of a harem of women just waiting to fall all over him and you know they all want him um but instead this season it was more of they asked him you know like how do you feel and he was very emotional because of you know the expectations that these women had and how he felt you know he was making connections with all of them but you know obviously some connections were stronger and as the season went on all of his connections were strong and it was hard to like let people go and how that affected him emotionally. It would have been interesting, I guess, if they had gone into that a little bit more. It kind of would have been interesting if this, if like the twist of The Bachelor had been like it wasn't about them finding love at all. It was just like the psychology of the people behind it, like how it feels to like live in this weird ass fantasy world. Um, so yeah, I think it's just interesting that uh, they do talk a little bit in this season about that. Now, the other aspect that I do, maybe just I'll touch on here, that it makes it a social experiment in a lot of ways is in every single rose ceremony, as I believe they're called now, but in this season we're called invitation ceremonies, um, Chris, the host, stresses that the women can always refuse the roses and you know they always they're also empowered to to make a choice here too and if for any reason they think that they wouldn't get along with him in the long term or they 
they can't see themselves in a marriage with him, they should and could, you know, foot, say no to the rose. Um, so in a, lo- a lot of ways this season as well, The Bachelor was spending a lot of time trying to impress the women and not just taking it for granted that the women are going to be falling all over him no matter what. Which they were more or less anyway. Um, not so much. I mean, like I mentioned, Shannon was a little bit reserved the whole time. And Trista as well. Um, you know, she wasn't willing to give herself over emotionally 100% to him. Yeah, the that's a little bit of a tangent, but at least it's a relevant tangent, unlike a lot of the tangents that have been in this episode. Um, so catching back up with Alex and Shannon, uh, so he mentions that he wants to push their relationship more, and she says, you know, some of the things that you want to know, I'm not going to tell you. Some of the things you want to do, I'm not going to do. She tries to, uh, he tries to kiss her, and she pulls away from him, which I think is kind of unheard of in, you know, every other season of The Bachelor from here on out. And I don't, I guess at this point they haven't even kissed at all. Like him and Shannon haven't kissed at all before because he does say, um, he, I get, try to give her a little kiss and she pulled away for the 50th time. So it's kind of funny where it's like they have a very chaste relationship where Shannon's like refusing to even kiss him. And last night he was licking chocolate and ice cream off of Amanda's titties. <laughs> um, so they go have lunch on a table carved out of snow in the mountainside, which again seems cold. I mean, I know they have like their ski snoot. Ski snoot? Ski suit. There's ski suits on, but I just stop eating outside when it's cold. I like I like a warm a warm place in general. I'm always cold. Um so he tries more to break down her wall and he basically asks her to pretend like, oh, just pretend like there aren't other people and this is just a relationship with you and me so that you can be like more vulnerable. And she's like, that's I mean, I can't really do that. Um, but she does ask if she can call him her boyfriend, and he says he says that he would love that. Um, so we see a shot of them making out in a ski lift, so she's gotten over that, I guess. At that point, if he's her boyfriend, she can kiss him. Um, and she does have a talking head that says she'll start acting like she's actually dating him now. So we'll see. Um, they get back to their ski lodge, and Alex asks about getting in the hot tub, and she's like, well, if you insist, and he's like, oh yeah, I insist, which is a little bit gross, again, in my opinion, you know, if she's that uncomfortable, maybe you should say like, oh, well, you know, if you want to. So they come out in their robes, um, Alex gets in, but Shannon, like, refuses to take off her robe at first, and she basically just, like, eases in, like, you know, foot to ankle to knee and for a while she's just sitting there soaking her legs in her row while he's sitting in the hot tub she does eventually get in though um we don't see too much maybe they kicked the cameras out because she didn't want to be seen in a bikini uh we see them back uh back at the lodge dressed for dinner i did notice a little bit of outfit fuckery here because i think at this point she's wearing like jeans and a strapless top and a choker and later on i think she's wearing a dress So I don't know when the outfits changed and, like, what the timing is. But uh, there's eating by the fireplace. Well, not eating. That was another one of the secrets of The Bachelor I kept reading is that they don't actually ever eat when they're on their individual dates because who wants to eat on camera? So they just have, like, food in a hotel room beforehand and then they go film. Um, So they're eating or not by the fireplace and, like, awkwardly kissing. Like, he's kissing her and she's kind of kissing him back, but, like, not really like 100% giving into it um and she says that he looks upset and apologizes for the depressing dinner um and he's like oh no I'm not upset everything's fine but like it's there's weird tension between them 
so she tries to explain that she thinks kissing can be really intimate, so she doesn't like to do it in public or all of the time because that cheapens it, which is not like, that doesn't really mean anything to him, obviously. Um, they have an awkward silence. And so at this point, I mean, I'm sure it's just the magic of editing, but it would be wonderful if this is what really happened. Um, they have this awkward silence, and then he pulls out the envelope about the fantasy suite. Uh, so... She reads the message, and he asks for her thoughts, and she's just like, well, what are your thoughts? And he says that he wants to at least go um, check it out, but he doesn't want her to, to get freaked out about it. But she does. She gets really freaked out, and like I feel like there's something missing. Like There's some other facet of Shannon's story that we don't really, we didn't really get. Because uh, she, yeah, she's just like very uncomfortable and gets like really upset that they, he was even given this card or that she was even given this card in general um so she she does say that she's willing to at least go look at you know it's the deluxe chalet so she's willing to go look at it but she does say in like her talking head that it ruined dinner and it almost ruined the whole day um her body language is super closed off her arms are crossed and alex even says that she seems mad at him and she doesn't say anything and she's like I'm not mad. And then she like walks like 20 feet away from him and like turns around and looks at him. And I was like, that is not the walk of a woman who isn't mad. Um, they walk down to the chalet in silence very awkwardly. And then they go inside and Alex kicks the cameras out. But um, so it's kind of interesting. At this point, we do get actually a little bit of fourth wall breaking because we see the cameraman and the producers like getting kicked out and leaving. But then they immediately zoom in through the windows and they also still have their mic packs on so we hear everything that happens. Um, so she's just like freaking out and like is like super unhappy about the situation and I don't know, the fact that he has sex. Like he's a man and he's been presented with the opportunity to have sex with three women. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand really like what her particular issue is about just having received the card. Um, she even says that she can't, like, breathe. So she's, like, really upset about this. Um, and so via voiceover, Alex tells us that he feels like Shannon is his, his girlfriend and that they've, like, been in fights and he just wants to make it better. Which I don't think is necessarily a good sign for your relationship if you're five weeks into knowing this person and you already feel like you... I don't know, need to like spice things up a bit because you're losing the spark and like you're constantly fighting. That reminds me a little bit to a lesser extent. I just want to take this moment because she's she was on my mind recently. I can't remember exactly why. My previous roommate who I lived with in college who was not a great roommate. I maybe wasn't the best roommate either. But we had a tumultuous relationship, uh, we'll say. And I remember at one point she left to go to Savannah. This was a point of contention because she would, like, leave and not tell me. And then I would, like, lock the door. I would lock the deadbolt that couldn't be opened from the outside because we lived in, like, a not-so-great neighborhood. And I just felt better if I was alone to have the deadbolt locked. I feel like that's very reasonable. Um, and so she would leave for days at a time. And once I realized she would be gone for days, I started locking the deadbolt and then she would come back and she would come back in the middle of the night and she would have to pound on the door and I have to get out of bed and let her in. And then she would complain about that. And I would just say, Hey bitch, just tell me when you leave so that I can know when you're going to be gone so that I can lock the deadbolt and when you're going to be back so that I can make sure the deadbolt isn't locked. And she said she would. And guess what happened the next time she went out of town? She didn't tell me. So I locked the deadbolt. And so then she woke up in the middle or she woke me up in the middle of the night she complained about it and I told her that we had discussed this. Anyway, that was a tangent on a tangent because the real tangent was that her and her boyfriend, who also was basically my roommate even though he wasn't on the lease, that was another point of contention in our roommate relationship, 
she went with him to Savannah for their six-month anniversary. And she told, she did not tell this to me. I'm pretty sure she told this to a friend who told this to a friend who told this to me. That they were going to Savannah to spice things up because they had like lost the spark a little bit. For their six-month anniversary. Um, They are not together to this day. They broke up. They probably dated for like a year and a half, two years, and then broke up. Um, So they lasted at least like another year after that. So yeah, that's it. That's the end of that's that's the end of Alex and Shannon. Like they're not happy, and we're in Hawaii now. Like we just cut to beautiful Hawaii, um, and we see immediately we see Trista, and she has a talking head. She's basically just talking about how it's hard for her to consider them an exclusive couple when she's always aware that he's with the other two women. Um, so similar to Shannon, but Trista kind of has a different vibe about it. Trista's vibe feels very like self-sufficient independent and Shannon feels like kind of codependent like enmeshed in a weird way that like she has weird expectations for what their relationship should be at this point I don't know what do you think um so anyway we see Trista waiting for him on the beach she is wearing black platform like foam sandals very of the early 2000s and a jean miniskirt the excellent beachwear, obviously. Um, so Alex walks up to them and they, or Alex walks up to them, walks up to her and they head off to a helicopter. They're going to go on a tour of the island. Um, this I kind of thought was interesting. I want to know what people think. So we see footage of the helicopter and the landscape. And I'm wondering, like, of the helicopter that presumably Alex and Trista are in, I wonder how they got that footage because it's, like, shot from the air like of the helicopter in the air and we're seeing like the landscape and the volcanoes and the waterfalls like all as if we were in our own helicopter so I wonder if the crew was like also in a helicopter and they went up just to shoot Alex and Trista's helicopter or if it was just like stock helicopter footage of helicopters in Hawaii because there weren't drones because nowadays you would just do it with a drone like no problem so I don't know I thought that was interesting um, Alex gets sick during the helicopter ride and he pukes into an air sickness bag twice. Uh, he also pukes directly into the camera. We don't see anything, like, we don't see any liquid or anything, um, but he is, like, right up, right up against the camera as he's puking into the, uh, the bag. Uh, luckily, they, the, the very wise editors chose to not use the audio for this scene, so he, like, is puking silently, which I very much appreciate. Um, he does say that Trista handed it really well because she, like, was rubbing his back and she didn't seem too grossed out. But, like, in all of the, uh, in all of the footage, we just see her, like, her head is, like, out the window and she's, like, rubbing his back, but also they're in, like, a tiny-ass helicopter and they're, like, touching each other, so, like, she might as well be rubbing his back. So, after the helicopter ride, they go, um, to sit on a beach. They, like, leave and, you know, refresh themselves. Alex goes to brush his teeth, I'm sure. And they go back to sit on a beach, sit on a bench at the beach. And she's, like, you know, just talking about, like, his decision and how he's going to make it. And he says that, you know, right now it's based on who he wants to date and he wants to date her. Um, He asks her how she feels about him. She tells him that she's in like but she's not in love, which I think is very fair and normal at this point. Um, And so then he excuses himself and he says that he needs to check on a schedule-related thing. So he gets up and he walks away. And then we get in like a little talking head and he says that in the middle of their conversation he realized that like he was dying and he needed to like leave and go to his room and he went back to his room. He got super sick. He puked like five times. He had to get in bed. He had like chills. He had fever. 
so did he just leave Trista hanging on that bench? And for how long? <laughs> and why would he tell her that he needed to go check on a schedule-related thing? Like, why not just say, like, okay, actually, I, I'm feeling a little bit sick again. I'm going to run back to my room really quick. Because I feel like if someone told me, like, oh, I need to go check on a schedule-related thing. Because he said it, like, very, like, hmm, 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 hmm. Like, hmm, I have something planned for you. So I would be thinking, like, wow, we just went on a helicopter ride. What could possibly be next? Like, are we going to a luau? What fun and exciting adventures await us? And then he just abandoned her on that bench while he went to go, like, shit his brains out. Um, so we cut to a scene of him in bed, like, in his robe, just, like, I don't know, being sick. And Trista's coming in, coming in, and she's, like, wearing a pink dress, obviously dressed for dinner. So I guess someone went and told her to leave the bench and get dressed. Um, she gets into bed with him, and, you know, they're just, like, talking and hanging out. And he says that his biggest concern now is that he's not going to get enough time with her. Um, and she says, well, well, you know, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you here sick in bed when I have to, like, you know, and I can go out in Hawaii. She says, I'm not going to leave you sick in bed to go out in Hawaii. But that's kind of funny because my first thought, like, when I was watching that scene, was like, oh, I mean, like, now she has, like, a free night in Hawaii. That's pretty sweet. Like, you could just do whatever you want in Hawaii. So that's probably why I do would not do very well on The Bachelor because that was immediately my thought. Um, so, yeah, they just, like, hang out and they talk. And in this talking head that happened, she, it, she says that they got very close and she admitted some things that are very personal and that she's only shared with a few people. And so then the next scene, which I guess is, that's the implication, is this is the thing that she admitted. Um, she just said that she's never had an orgasm during intercourse, which I feel like is fairly normal. I mean, it's not great because I feel like it, it, you could have an orgasm during intercourse, not maybe not from intercourse alone, she, but she said during intercourse, not like from intercourse. I don't know. It's just like interesting to me because I feel like that's... It, She's obviously had an orgasm, so she knows how to have one. I don't know if it's just, like, the people that she's dated or if it's just, like, who she is as a person. Like, maybe that's just, like, in that setting, like, she can't inter she can't orgasm. And that's pretty normal. I mean, that's just, like, normal if that's how your body is. Anyway, I didn't think it was that big of a deal for her, like, a thing for her to admit, like, a secret. Like, it's not a secret. It's just, like, a maybe a a pre-having sex fact to share with your partner. Um, whatever. So she he does ask her if she ever fakes it and she like refuses to answer, but she she does it like, you know, very jokingly um instead of like Shannon who just like clams up. So they they're kind of interesting. They're um they're not foils to one another, but they like I don't know, they they were they mirror one another, but in just like a different way like Trista's Trista's method or way of being is just a little bit more pleasant than Shannon's, but they kind of have the same vibe of not wanting to commit to this guy who's not committing to them. So I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Um, they lie in bed together, and it fades to black, and, you know, we get the tasteful fade to black that I thought we were going to get in the first, uh, the first date, um, and then it's the next day. So I guess at this point, they have sex. Because in an interview that I read, or just some kind of Us Weekly or Inside or something, I don't know, um, Amanda said that apparently he had sex with Trista when he was on their date in Hawaii. 
But she said it as if this was him, like, being unfaithful to her, which at this point they weren't in, like, an exclusive relationship. Like, he, she knew that he was going on these fantasy dates that, and he was going to have this fantasy suite. So I feel like at that point you just have to be, like, okay with it. Um, but, yeah, I guess they have sex at that point, and that's kind of gross because he had been throwing up, but whatever. The next day they go to uh, a couple's outdoor massage on the beach. Um that just happens like we just see them it's all just like jealousy I don't know like what are they just trying to make people jealous who are watching this because nothing happens in the scene of them getting massage they're just enjoying themselves and all of us watching aren't getting massages and that sucks um then we see them standing in the waves making out um I guess this is all supposed to be very romantic and it kind of would be but yeah you remember that he just had two other fantasy dates with these like other fantastic women so it's I don't know also, it seems kind of, Hawaii seems like a really big destination compared to the other two. Like, New York and Lake Tahoe, like, yeah, that's cool. I feel like, I don't know, like, Napa would have been, like, a more on the same level. Like, there are certain activities that are associated with, like, that particular place, and it's not, I don't know, but just, like, Hawaii, one, that's, like, a six-hour flight, isn't it? At least from California, right? It's at least four hours. That's a pretty long flight. Um... And it's just like an overnight date. So that, yeah, you can go to New York for a weekend. You can go to Tahoe for a weekend. But a weekend in Hawaii? That's like a two whole days of travel just to like stay there for two days. Anyway, I'm thinking out loud. I don't know. Did they let Trista stay there a little bit longer? Because they were like, I mean, we got all, everyone was out here. Like, let's just stay an extra couple of days in Hawaii. I don't know. All right, so they're back in Malibu. Um... Alex and Chris sit down to debrief. I guess this is the thing that didn't all that doesn't always happen in like the future bachelor seasons. That's like another thing. Oh, I guess I forgot to mention this as well is that the, the fantasy dates all happen in three different locations or like the fantasy suite was three different locations whereas in the more recent seasons it's the same fantasy suite at three different times, which is kind of gross. So I like that it was three different locations. Um but yeah, they have this like deliberation room where he and Chris like sit down and like kind of like debrief and discuss like the things that have happened over the last week and then there are all of these pictures of the women staring back at him and all of the women have video messages for him each time that he listens to which is ridiculous um so Chris asks if it's been a rough week and Alex says like it's been great but he also feels like he's lived lifetimes in this one week um and he's not even sure which two he's going to pick at this point he could see all three of them being his wife so he watches the video messages. Um, Amanda has a cute line just about like next time desserts on you, which is kind of it's that's just like cute and clever, um, considering what they did together. And then the other messages are pretty boring. Otherwise, Shannon's is kind of funny because obviously they have like not a great night together, and they I guess they record their messages or in this instance they recorded their messages after they had their dates but they were still on location of wherever they were before they all headed back. But I guess Alex is obviously not in the room with them when they're recording. Um, so Shannon's was kind of funny because hers was very, uh, there was a lot of subtext there. Um, and at the end of her message, she even said like, regardless, you'll always have a friend in me, which I feel like is a very kind of like, we're ending this. Like you'll always have a friend in me kind of implies like, I don't make, I don't necessarily see this like, continue continuing on as a relationship um so as he's watching those I guess the girls are coming in and Chris is greeting them 
uh, we get a voiceover of Alex kind of thinking out loud about each girl, and he thinks, you know, Amanda's probably the best for him, but he's not sure if he grabs, she grabs him by the gut is how he puts it, which is a weird way to put it. Uh, He says that he's drawn to Shannon. I, I don't know. Shannon at this point is so strange to me. Like, he does have, like, a lot of connection, and, like, he is drawn to her, but it's just such a hard relationship to be in and they they're not even in a relationship yet um and then for Trista he's starting to forget how beautiful she is because that was like the first thing he was always struck by um and he's realizing more like the person who uh like she is so right yeah he likes all three of them we knew that um so Chris starts to give the spiel that he always does uh so he emphasizes very heavily like like I said in this season at every single rose ceremony invitation ceremony whatever they call it you know he tells them like you have the power to decline the rose if you so choose um no one ever does Alex comes out and so the first rose goes to Trista so there you go that's out of the way then we get the dramatic tension so which of the two is going to get a rose so I was very invested in Amanda getting a rose at this point. Like, which is kind of funny because I had been complaining about how boring this show was. But this was the one episode that grabbed me and this is like the one moment. And I was actually talking to my TV and I was like, don't do my girl dirty. Because she, he had such a fun time with Amanda. And if he, if he had fucking not given her a rose after they had like had sex, fun, flirty, like sugary. I hope she didn't get a yeast infection from it sex. <laughs> And then he would, like, have given a rose to Shannon, who had just been so cold to him. Oh, no. But no. That doesn't happen, thank goodness. Um, he gives the rose to Amanda. And so Shannon hugs uh, both of the other girls goodbye. And very awkwardly, she and Alex walk out together. He asks her to stop so that they can talk. And he seems to be giving her, like, a genuine, like, I'm sorry that this didn't work out, but I really do think the best of you. And, you know, I hope we can be friends. Like, it was, you know, as far as... The situation could be it was as genuine a goodbye as possible. Um, And she's just, like, not having it at all. She's standing there, arms crossed. She's pissed. uh, And then she just, like, gives him a very, like, perfunctory, like, handshake, like, goodbye. Um, So she's, like, walking back to the limo, and she almost gets there. And then she, like, she thinks about it, and she turns around, and she walks back. And she just, like, goes up to him. She's like, I just want to know why. Um, And he just says, I think we're just different people and we're at different places in our life and we'll struggle with each other too much. Um, And I guess there was something that she said to him that, again, we didn't see on camera, but she had said something like, I'm okay with going home or I want to go home because this is too hard or something of that nature. And he says, like, I don't want to make your life hard and I feel feel like I would. So she's like, okay, bye. (laughs) She gets into the, the limo. Um, and yeah, he explains in a voiceover that, you know, she had gotten mad at him five or six times in the three dates that they had had, and he found herself thinking, he found himself thinking that their relationship would be great if she would just change, or like she would just be mad, not be mad at him, but that would require her to change like who she is fundamentally, and people don't change that easily. So all things considered, like that's actually a very emotionally mature like way to look at it. So I have respect for him in that moment, but overall I don't because of all the shit that he said about Amanda on his date. Like her boobs and her marital status is bullshit. Um, So yeah, Shannon's in the limo. She seems upset, but honestly, girl, you dodged a bullet. And then back in the house, um, Alex, Trista, and Amanda all toast one another, which is weird. It's weird to, like, be like, all right, it's just us three. One of you two is going to win me as a prize. Let's toast. 
Um, and then next up, they're going to meet his family. So that that's what happens in the next episode is both uh, Amanda and Trista meet his family. But that's the end of this episode. Hooray. Um, so where are they now? Alex and Amanda, they broke up after a year of dating. Um, at the end of the, the season, the finale, he didn't propose to Amanda. He just said, like, I want to get to know you better. Let's date. And uh, will you please move to California to be with me? And she said yes. So I guess they dated for around a year, but they broke up. Um, Amanda eventually got married to a childhood friend named Jay Caldwell. So she's Amanda Caldwell now. Um, they have a daughter named Chloe. And I found her on Facebook. I'm pretty sure it's her. Um, but yeah, she's just like a normal person. She's like a normal mom and wife. Just living a normal life. Uh, she's still gorgeous. Um, maybe even more so now. She's just like, she's beautiful. I think I have a crush on Amanda. I really do. Like, she's gorgeous. Um, and then Alex, uh, he's kind of interesting. He's like the missing bachelor. Like, people don't really know what he's been up to. Um, he, you know, returned to his work in the business world, and um, later on he did some work as a spokesperson for Match.com and working on Princess Cruise Lines as like a relationship expert, a, rom- a romance expert. I don't know. He levied his connection to The Bachelor to do some shit on a cruise line, um, but he's kind of fallen off the face of the planet. No one really knows where he is. Last n- known thing was that he was in New York as a media executive, Um, As far as anyone knows, he's still unmarried, which is kind of ironic. Uh, So that's a little bit unfortunate, but yeah, that's what's up with Alex. Um, So Trista, like I mentioned, went on to be the first Bachelorette, and then she's one of the greatest success stories of the franchise because she is still married to her final rose, her final guy, um, Ryan Sutter. And they got married in a televised ABC special. Uh, I think they even did like an anniversary special or something. They had like a 10-year anniversary um, they have two kids now, Max and Blakesley, which is kind of a mouthful. Uh, and then Trista's done a few other reality TV appearances. She did Dancing with the Stars. Her husband did Fear Factor, um, so she was on that episode cheering him on. Uh, they did Marriage Boot Camp, um, and they live together in Colorado now. And then Shannon, uh, she has an IMDb page with some acting work, but it was kind of, I don't know, it wasn't very comprehensive and it was kind of hard to tell if it was really her or if it were just like two people that happened to be named Shannon Oliver, one of whom was like a small time like actress and one of whom had just been in The Bachelor. Um, And their IMDb page got like combined somehow. But yeah, she got married in 2009. Um, she has some kids, or she has one kid, I think. Maybe she there was a niece in the picture I saw or something. I thought she had two, but I think it's just one. Um, she has a very public Facebook page that she posts a lot of things publicly on. So I like scrolled down her Facebook page for like half an hour earlier. And I only got to like March because she posts a lot. Um, she also founded a nonprofit called Project Memorial to help her community after Hurricane Harvey. So that's pretty nice. So in general, does The Bachelor hold up slash is it worth a rewatch? Um, for season one, I would say it does not hold up because it's boring. It, it's not, maybe, I don't know. It's not, nothing is like glaringly problematic and horrible. The, I mean, I guess the, the setup in general is problematic, but we still have that exact same setup running today. So I can't really say like it doesn't hold up since obviously it does. Like the premise does hold up. But this this season was boring. I guess if you're like a big like bachelor head and you know this means a lot to you, I would say go back and watch it because it's like the original season and you'll probably get a kick out of seeing what the differences are compared to the you know more recent seasons. But I 
I don't think you need it as like a foundation of reality TV. Like I said, I wanted to touch on it. That's what this podcast is all about is going back and exploring those. But in my personal opinion, if you were doing your own exploration of reality TV, you could skip The Bachelor if you wanted to um, and just go straight to the more juicy ones like Rock of Love and Flavor of Love where people are like taking their tops off and screaming. Maybe it gets like that in later seasons of The Bachelor. Now that I'm thinking about it, I bet it does. Um, anyway, I don't think it's that interesting. Maybe it gets better in, in later seasons, but in general, it's not really worth a rewatch. Well, I think that wraps it uh, that wraps it up for this episode. Um, so thank you so much for listening, especially if you listen through my rant of everything that happened and all of my tangents. Um, I know this episode was a little bit off the wall. But thanks for being here with me. Um, And if you enjoy this podcast in any capacity, I would really love it if you would give it a five-star rating or a review on iTunes and the other places that you can do that. But we all know that iTunes is the big one. Um, Yeah, that would really, really, really mean a lot to me if, you know, next time I record, I can say like, oh my God, thank you guys. I'm back up to like a 4.9 or something like that. Um, You can find me on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast. Um, I'm on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod. I'll also give my personal Instagram because I realize that I forget to check my uh, snapback to reality one sometimes. It's a couple of days in between me going on there. And sometimes people do send me messages. And I'm really sorry if I don't respond to your message for like two days. So if you want a faster response or you just want to check out more of my life, um, my personal Instagram is really underscore Riley. And you can email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. All right, you guys, thank you so much for being here. I love you all, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Until next time, bye.